try to really focus on developing relationships and staying with touch with in touch with people and not trying to make it just about a transaction. You know, basically have the mindset to say, all right, if I close a deal with these guys, great, but I'm really going into this relationship with how do I help these people? How do I add value to them? And how do I just maintain like a non-work relationship? And kind of what I've seen from that is just, if you do that, the, 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 the referrals and the leads and all that stuff will just kind of come naturally. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Today, I get to interview a longtime listener of the show, a guy that I got to meet a little bit chatting back and forth with on Instagram, Harrison Sharp, real estate agent from Plano, Texas. Harrison, how's it going? It's going well today. Can't complain. Just another uh, another busy day in the real estate world. So Busy day in the real yeah. estate world. I saw you made a post that you were getting ready for the podcast. So were you doing another interview or were you getting all your gear set up? Just getting all my gear set up. I am not tech savvy by any stretch. I rely on other people in places that I'm not strong at, and tech is just one of those areas. So, um, yeah. So now but, we're set. Well, you've got your tech set up. You've got your mic. We already had a conversation about all the golf balls on the wall behind you, since we're both uh, people that love to golf. But let's jump right in. So, the how many? How long have you been a real estate agent? Oh uh, yeah, so I've been. I guess I got my license in March of 2020, kind of right when when COVID was happening. So like right when the world shut down, basically. Yeah. That's when I officially joined a brokerage, got my license. Um, so I didn't know anything about it, obviously, and and I initially kind of got my license to. I guess let me back up a little bit. My kind of my start in real estate was um, it was more kind of the investment route, so. I basically I bought a I basically bought a rental property to live in. I don't know if you're familiar with the term house hacking, but basically yeah. where you either buy a duplex or a single family, something with an ADU, and you're basically living in it while you're collecting rental income. So I kind of got that start through bigger pockets. You know, I'm, I know you've done a bunch of interviews with all those guys and super familiar with them. That's where I started learning about it. So I bought my first rental property, um, basically eliminated my housing expense and bought a second one. And then I was like, all right, if I'm going to keep buying a rental property, basically my goal is to buy a rental property a year at that point. If I'm going to keep doing it, I might as well get my license and start saving on the fee to at least reduce some of the, the purchase price and the cost a little bit. Um, so that's what initially led me to my license. I really didn't have the goal to start, you know, basically create a business or anything out of it. It was really just to basically start sourcing my own deals and kind of get more involved and, and just, I guess, learn a little bit more about, you know, what I was actually doing as opposed to relying on like a real estate agent like myself for all that. So that's kind of how I got into it. But yeah, it's been a whirlwind ever since. So what was your day job at the time when you bought your first house hack? Yeah. So kind of non-traditional path into real estate sales. So I went to A&M. Uh, Texas A&M, got my master's degree in finance, got my CPA license, uh, worked at Ernst & Young for three years. It's a big four accounting firm if you're not familiar with it. Then after that, I went and worked for a financial planning company where I was basically helping dentists uh, you know, do personal financial planning. And 
tax avoidance strategies, how to invest their money, um, kind of the broad spectrum of just small business planning. And kind of what I realized when I was working at those jobs, it's just, it was, I was basically making a lot of money for someone else. I wasn't super fulfilled. I was working a lot of hours. Um, it just wasn't, you know, I liked it, but I didn't like it enough to make a career out of it. So, you know, that was kind of what I was doing in tandem while, or I guess the second job I was doing the financial planning when COVID hit while I got my license. And then I basically started kind of doing those jobs in tandem um, and then it just got to the point where I was so busy with real estate and I liked it so much more that I just, I just jumped out and, and kind of quit that, I guess my career that I basically worked my entire life for up to that point. So I'm always amazed by people that new agents that did so well during 2020, because I remember thinking how tough it would be for a new agent right now. I remember hearing the stories of it's like, I'm a buyer's agent. And we wrote an offer and there was 20 other offers on it already and we lost and it can get so discouraging. And it, and when I first got into like investing, we'd write offers every day on houses and they'd never get accepted because they were getting accepted by the people who they knew. And um, how do you think you were, and, and, and obviously, and, and you start doing so good, you're like, oh, I'm going to be a real estate agent 100% now. Now, March was horrible in, in, in Texas when COVID first hit. The first few weeks, like, I think we got put on the emergent, the state of emergency, like March 16th or something like that out here. And up in the Dallas area, especially, it felt like a lot of kind of businesses got shut down. They even shut down like outdoor auctions and stuff up in Dallas and things like that. So what was, how long after you got your license were you able to start transacting? Was it pretty quickly? And how were you getting those customers when you were doing it? Yeah. So it actually was pretty quickly. Um, and I, again, Part of it was luck, but part of it was kind of hard work. I, I One thing that I really want to stress to like the newer agents out there and even old agents is, you know, I get a lot of people, they're like, how do you, how are you doing your numbers that you're doing? I'm like, well, you know, I work a lot and I guess I connect with the right people, but the harder you work, the luckier you get. So that's kind of how it was. Like, I didn't know anything at that point, but what kind of where I got my start, one of my old brokers, a buddy that I like was an acquaintance with from high school, basically, I saw he had his own brokerage and he was getting new agents on. I was like, this guy obviously knows what he's doing. He's got his rent. He's got rental properties. His family has rental properties. That's kind of where I want to be. Like I want to, um, I want to go and kind of model this guy and learn from him, basically. So I started with him at his brokerage. He coached me a lot. Um, obviously, I'm doing all this part time while trying to figure out, you know, actually how this business works. And initially, I got a lot of my leads from from bigger pockets. So what I would do is I would just go into their forums, and people would be asking questions about stuff. You know, how do I find a cash flowing rental property in Dallas? Well, I already had a little bit of the familiarity um, with kind of the investment market, because I owned a few rentals at that point, again, not seasoned by any stretch, but I at least knew how to run numbers and, and figure out, does this property make sense from a cash flow perspective? So I would comment on, you know, people would be asking questions, you know, what do I find? How do I find a cash flowing rental property in Dallas? Um, what's a creative strategy to make money? And well, at that point, I've been living basically rent free in my three bed, two bath house because I've been renting out the bedrooms for the last two years. I'm like, hey, I've been doing this. Here's how you can do it too. So actually, one of my first clients, I think I closed him in June of 2021, like three months after I'd signed up, something like that. But he was a guy I connected with off of Bigger Pockets, and he did the exact same thing that I was. I was like, look, man, here's what I did. I bought a three two house in Plano. Um, you know, here's some stuff that we can look at. Here's what I, what I did wrong on my purchase and here's how you can make more money. So what we did for him was we, I was like, Hey man, you had another bedroom. You can generate more income. 
So we, he ended up buying a house in June when nothing, I mean, he got under contract, I think in April or May when literally nothing was happening. He got a massive discount on it because the sellers were getting divorced and they needed to sell it. And literally no one was looking at stuff. So he picked up a four bed, two bath in a great location in one of our suburbs up here. Um, and he actually added a fifth bedroom on it. And that thing now probably, he's probably clearing 1500 to two grand a month on it. So he was actually one of my first clients. And at that point it just clicked. I was like, I can help so many people doing this. Um, just, it was a very specific type of niche strategy, rent by the room, you know, ADU, duplex, triplex, house hacking, basically. And so I just, I doubled down. I was like, you know, I'm just going to keep posting more in bigger pockets. And that's really where I got a lot of my first leads. I've helped multiple people um, from that website just buy, you know, get get into their first few properties and get, get that experience they need to kind of get rolling in the journey. Because obviously one of the biggest benefits to owner occupying something is you don't have to come, you don't have to put 20, 25% down. You can get into a house for 15, 20 grand because not everyone has, you know, 80 to hundred grand and just go dump into a property. So that's kind of been one of the, that was basically where I got my start. Um, and I just, you know, I kind of went all in on that. And then from there, it's just different, different, a bunch of different places that I'm getting leads from and have been just kind of, you know, basically giving people value um, and try to help them accomplish their goals basically. So. Yeah. You know, I think that, I think right now, so I've interviewed a few people that were house hack was their, their big style, right? So like uh, Jordan Moorhead was one. Um, yeah, I actually, uh, the- oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I actually, um, I met with a guy from Bigger Pockets right after I got my license. His name is Devin. Um, he works for Jordan Moorhead's team right now, and he just actually quit his job to go full time. And he was, he was one of those guys that he was kind of deciding, did he want a house hack between Dallas or Austin and he ended up moving to Austin and, and doing it down there and he's got three or four properties now and he's got he just quit his job to go full time and sorry I didn't mean to cut you off but I know a guy no it's great cool. like I I love Jordan I get I, I hang out with him in Austin now time uh, you know time and again and the um and it's like getting to interview those guys I remember the time when it was first going on it was like one of the many methods but I think over the next year for agents right now that are trying to you know, pivot or adjust their business or figure out where to bring in more business. There is, a, there's an affordability issue with rates being higher, right? There's just an affordability issue. Stuff is more expensive than it was when the rates were really, really low. So I, I'm seeing uh, in central Texas and in some places in Southern Oregon and Northern California that a lot of the buyers that are out there are first time home buyers. I think it's a much higher percentage than it was a couple months ago. I saw a stat that it was like 36% this month and, you know, three months ago, it was like 12% of closings in some of those areas. So like three times as many first-time buyers. Well, when you think about affordability as an issue, house hacking helps solve that because that's that idea of saying, hey, let's have somebody else help you pay the bill. And it's ideal for first-time buyers. Now, there's a very cool version where somebody buys a duplex, they rent out the other side, they live on their side, they get to be a landlord, but doesn't quite feel like that. But the idea of like, hey, you buy a four-bedroom, and you, it's only you, and you can rent out two of your rooms to buddies, like that's even better because now they're paying you know, most of it for you. You're taking on that risk as an investor getting your first house. So I think house hacking is going to become um, a good option for people right now that are trying to figure out how do I get in the first-time home buyer market because I've never been in the first-time home buyer market, or hey, there's still some affordability-type issues. What advice would you give to people – now, like for that sort of a, for that sort of a market, like somebody's like, Hey, I want to get into that right now because there's an affordability issue. 
what is you know, bigger pockets are best place for resources and or any like jumpstart tips you would give them if they've got a client that says, Hey, I really want to get that house, but I can't really, but I'm, but I'm a little short, but I'm going to be stretched pretty thin. And you're like, well, what about renting out one of the rooms? Like what's some of the conversation or advice you'd give them in that? Yeah. So I have this conversation a lot, like obviously going back to the affordability thing, like not everyone's cut out to be an investor, right? So, you know, when I have the conversations with a lot of these first time buyers slash investors on the house hacking thing, you know, let's say you buy a house and you live in it for two years and you're renting out the bedrooms and you don't like the strategy. Well, now you own a house and hopefully at that point, rates have come down a little bit. You might be able to refinance out of it. Maybe you're making a little bit more money now and you can actually afford the payment yourself. Um, so it gives them the flexibility. Um, as, as an answer to your question about, you know, what to look for in, in, in different areas. I mean, the best way to do it is just connecting with agents or investors, people who are trying to, who already have successfully implemented the strategy. Um, obviously agents are doing a lot more deals, have kind of the knowledge on the deal and the transaction side. Obviously they can, you know, help run the numbers too, but, you know, just connecting with those investors and people who are trying to do the kind of the same type of approach as you are. Um, and what I tell them, like, look, like if you don't want to, cause I have a lot of conversations too, with, with people, obviously rent by the room, if you're married or you're engaged or you're living with a, a, a significant other, that can be tough to stomach for a lot of people. So kind of going back to what you just said on the duplex thing, well, yeah, okay, let's go find a duplex. You know, you actually get your own space and you can offset by getting a tenant on the other side. You're not actually living with them. It's similar to what you're doing now, like living in an apartment where you're sharing walls with someone. It's just, you actually get your own space. Another super creative strategy that I've been trying to help people kind of navigate in the, I guess, in the last year, basically, with how, how high prices have gotten and with rent going up and the duplex inventory, multifamily stuff being highly competitive here in DFW. Like if you find a good deal and it's on market, even off market, it's going to have a ton of offers on it. One thing that I've been guiding people towards is, all right, well, let's instead of targeting duplexes or rent by the room houses, let's find these houses that have additional dwelling units or back houses or outhouses, basically a part of the house where you can live and then you can lease out the main house where you still have your separate space as well. Um, so I have a lot of investors that have been doing that where they'll basically buy a. Um, I've got one under contract right now. It's a, it's a, it's got a great back house. It's basically a two one. And then the main house was completely updated. Well, this guy's going to live in the back house and he's going to convert the main house into an Airbnb unit and generate income that way. And hopefully he'll be able to offset the entirety of his mortgage while he's occupying the house. Um, so that's kind of where I've been going and kind of where I've tried to lead these, you know, lead these investors to. And, um, yeah, it's been, you know, it's, it's great because there's, you know, they make money and, a lot of times investors, they are wanting to transact more than once. So that's... I hadn't even thought about the, uh, like living in the, like living in the back house while someone else lives in the bigger house. That's, I think that part of that would be tougher to swallow. But if it's as a, like an Airbnb, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. It's like now yeah. I live in the back one because the main house is going to be the Airbnb. The, you get to use, you get to use any amenities that come with that when nobody's staying there. But the time that people are staying there, you're just making your money and, and they're paying the bill. Uh, the bills where Airbnb can be a really you know, lucrative thing with the right property. So that's, so that's a really creative idea. How many deals have you done? How many deals did you do in 2020, 2021, 2022? Um, so in 2021, I ended up doing, I don't remember the number of transactions. I think it was around like, I don't know. I did a lot because I helped. So my parents actually owned a bunch of land. Um, it was like really small dollar, about like like twenty five thousand dollar lots. So they just they wasn't making any money. and They wanted to buy a few rentals, so I helped them do that. So that kind of upped the number of deals. But my volume number in 
in, in my first year in 2021 in nine months, basically working part-time was 4.7 million. That was the total uh, volume number. I did a lot of, a lot of transactions. So I was helping them kind of just basically push paper. And then in 2022, which I guess was last year, which is, or yeah, last Yeah, we just uh, finished. Yeah, yeah. So sorry, I, I got my timeline wrong. 2020 was uh, was the 4.7. That was my first, I guess, first nine months doing it part-time. 2021, I did 18.5 and did around 81 deals. And then this last year, I did 20, around 28 million and did 75. So it's just, you know, it's it's ramped up and it's been awesome. How about right now? Like how many do you have in escrow or or you're working on that should close over the next month, a few months? Uh, or what do you plan to do this year? I think I've got 12 or 13 in escrow right now. So, so if you try to dissect those, how did you get those deals? So like yeah. the, 12, the 12 that you've got right now, where, what are the, where are those leads from? How are you getting those clients? Is it the buy side? Is it the sell side? Yeah, it's primarily buy. So part of them are from, you know, a few of them are retail buyers. Most, all of them are referrals. So I don't really spend money on advertising or paying for leads or any of that stuff. It's all, I've really worked hard to try and, and basically generate a great sphere of influence where I actually develop relationships with people and stay in touch with them. It's not just a transaction. Um, I'm trying to actually add value throughout the entirety of their process. So all of them are referrals at this point. Um, a few probably, I'm working with one guy, one guy right now that I, um, he's he sold a, a commercial property in Utah and he, he's looking at, he had a 1031 deadline. Basically, I connected with him a week before the 1031 deadline that he had, and we had to get him five. He wanted to buy five properties, and we had a week to go find him. And we flat, we got that's where five of them came from. So that was it's been a pretty you know hectic few weeks here, trying to get that that basically get him taken care of. But we we were able to get, uh, and he he kind of um, he basically was looking to do the rent by the room strategy as well here in Dallas after we kind of connected and talked through like, all right, here's what I'm seeing. Here's really how you make money right now. Um, so he's, he's five of them. And then the other ones are just, you know, I got a few new builds. I've got uh, the, an, an ADU guy that kind of what I just talked about earlier, where he's buying the ADU and then, uh, or buying the house, living in the ADU and then renting out the main house. Um, yeah. So it's just kind of a big, it's a mix. So it's, let's it's let's dig into that lead source a little bit more. Yeah. Because that's everybody's dream, right? You said, I'm not doing any marketing anymore. I'm getting everything from referrals. Mm -hmm. And you got to say, I, you know, you're getting that because you did such a good job with building these relationships. But so if somebody wants to start today and they're like, man, I don't get that many of my referrals. Mm -hmm. They've done 50 deals. They've done 100 deals. But like every one of them is a new lead that they're buying. They're working hard for it. And they go, I want to do what Harrison's doing now. What's the, what's the blueprint, man? What's that, what's that startup? What's the process of how do they, how do they start making the transactions happen like that? Where six months, nine months, 12 months down the line, people are, are going to them for referrals. Yeah. So referral. I, I think, you know, I, I don't, I think you can basically create a long-term sphere referral out of any type of lead. It just depends how hard you want to work at the relationship. Right. So, my strategy specifically, I got, you know, I got connected with a company. They actually do what I was doing. Uh, they're called Homeroom. They're, they do rent by the room, basically, but they give me a lot of leads. And I basically connected with the CEO when he was bootstrapping this company. And 
I've done, I've worked my ass off for them basically. And the, the leads continue to come in from us. So that's one, that's, that's where I get a lot of my leads from. Obviously that's not, you can't replicate that. Um, if you're like an agent, you got to kind of get, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier. I just got lucky right time, right place, but I worked my ass off for this guy. You know, she was a huge risk, but that's really materialized you a lot of stuff. Um, if I'm a new agent, I would basically what I would, or not a new agent, but just someone who's trying to get to that sphere of influence from just the paid stuff. What I would really focus on is if you're paying for stuff or if you're getting, um, you know, you're, you're getting leads from some of these networks that basically you basically pay them a fee whenever you close, I would do just, I would just try to really focus on developing relationships and staying with touch with in touch with people and not trying to make it just about a transaction. You know, basically have the mindset to say, all right, if I close a deal with these guys, great, but I'm really going into this relationship with how do I help these people? How do I add value to them? And how do I just maintain like a non-work relationship? And kind of what I've seen from that is just, if you do that, the, 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 the referrals and the leads and all that stuff will just kind of come naturally. So obviously there are a lot of time wasters when you get into those kind of those pay per, pay per lead programs, but there are good quality leads that do come in from them. Um, so, I mean, if, if that's your thing, go for it. If your door knocking is your thing, same type of, you know, it's all in the follow-up door knocking, cold calling, whatever your special holding open houses, whatever, whatever source that you're using to generate business, just really focusing on the, on the relationship and the value add to those people. And they're going to, they're going to give, they're going to really give it back to you. And like there are, they will give it back to you if you do a good job for them. So. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time, and when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. There's a lot of superstars out there that use Follow Up Boss. What's your favorite CRM? We're using Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. I love Follow Up Boss. I love it. We have action plans now for bringing on new agents. We have action plans for our recruiting. Uh, we call them action plans and follow-up boss, which will trigger tasks for the agents to do as far as calling. Follow-up boss, I like more for the integrations with everything, MailChimp, call action, all those different products. I will say we used Sync and we switched from Sync to follow-up boss. Honestly, the greatest CRM I've ever used, I've used Brivity, Sync. I've looked at Boomtown, like Real Geeks, just a bunch of different ones. But me personally, I fell in love with Fub about like seven months ago when I first started using it. I've used Boomtown, I've used LineDesk, I've used Conversion, and I think follow-up boss gives you the most integrations Mm-hmm. that are simple and it gives you the best ability to go and integrate large things into one single solitary platform yet at the same time it's still affordable i do like follow-up box better just because it you can text from the app and things like that it's just a little more convenient for me um it tracks everything that i need i can customize it if i want if i want to go smart list based that's fine if i want to go task based it's fine i think it's one of the best systems and it's very user-friendly it's just really helps me never drop a ball because it's so user-friendly. I don't have a one horse in the race with Follow-Up Boss. Purely objective, Follow-Up Boss has been the best one that we've found. Now, I've used Follow-Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. 
So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. Thanks again. Now back to our show. So, and how do you do that communication, right? So staying in contact with them, with the people and like making and like developing a relationship with them. Is it like, are you just, do you have a calendar where you just set, send out text messages periodically? Is it just, are you really interactive with people on social media? Like what's, what's a way that like for, you know, for the non big ones, like a normal person that you did a deal for a year ago is sending you a referral today. Like what, what, like what sort of communication are you doing with a person you did one deal with a year ago? Yeah. So what I do, anytime I talk to someone new real estate related, if I, you know, if I'm at a party or I meet someone new, I'm always trying to add them on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Like those are my three big social media sites that I do that I'm on a lot. And I'm typically posting on and posting content on. I'll typically follow them, try to get them to follow me back. And, you know, if they post something that's interesting to me, like, for example, like some people, I've met a bunch of people playing golf. Like if they're playing a new course and I see that they're playing a really cool course that maybe I want to go play one day. I'm like, hey, man, that's a cool course. How do you shoot? Just just conversational stuff like that. Like it's um, that's I mean, that's primarily where I do it. And, and obviously I have a database where I keep people's contact information. But I don't really set like reminders or anything. If I just, you know, if I think of something that, um, you know, that they're that they mentioned to me one time that I think they would get a kick out of, or, uh, you know, that we would just, it, just, just a bonding point, basically. Like if I think of them, I'll call them or I'll text them or I'll send them a voice message on my phone, just something like that. Um, that's, that's primarily how I do it. There's no really, I don't really have a set strategy or I know a lot of agents, you know, they have their, they get their, you know, follow up X, Y, Z, you know, do it like this. It's me. It's not really, I don't really do it like that. I feel like it's more, I feel like it's not as personal if you kind of set like, you know, once a month you're going to do, you know, follow up with someone. If I just, you know, if I'm thinking about them or if I see something that is interesting that they enjoy, I'm just going to comment on them and, and just be supportive basically. So, yeah. So what you're talking about there is you're talking about using social media in a very different way than what most agents are saying when they come on here. So most agents are coming on saying, Hey, when you do social media, you need to make sure people know you're an agent and you need to make sure people see you putting the stuff out there and you need to advertise your business and, and, and all those things, which is great. And everybody needs to do that, right? Because if people know you're an agent, they're going to ask you, but you're taking it a step further where you're actually just making sure that you go like, you're just being like honest and like, and uh, you know, and normal other, you're just interacting with people. Yeah. Like you're going out there and you're just saying, Hey, this is somebody that I met. And the more you interact with people. So you're just being social on social media. You're not just scrolling and looking at things and posting. You're looking at other people's posts. You're commenting on them. You're talking, you're making sure that you're having these just real human interactions. And then that seems to be the way. And I, and I create a lot of friendships like that. I create a lot of relationships like that through social media, through just interacting that way. But we don't, talk about that enough on here and like kind of the coaching space of how to make social media help you in real estate. We talk a lot about the type of content to post. We don't talk enough about like making sure that you actually go be social and interact with everybody along the way. Yeah, I know you're hundred percent correct. And, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I do all the, like I post every single one of my sales, right. But I mix it in with, you know, just commenting on like exactly what you just said, being like a real human and interacting with people. I mean, I don't like, 
for, to be honest with you, I don't really like social media. I wasn't super involved with it before I got my real estate license. You know, I had an account and I post every now and then, but I mean, it's part of my job at this point. I'm on it every day, just following in, checking in with past clients and, you know, seeing how their progress is going and just kind of encouraging them. And another thing too, that I, I guess is another maybe potential tip or helpful for agents but I connect with a lot of agents too. Like, I think it's super important to, you know, if I do a deal with someone I'm, and we, we had a good transaction I'm, and I typically try to follow them on social media as well. Um, see if they're doing business, see what they're doing, see how they're generating leads. I'm, I, I get lunch and I network with a lot of agents. You know, if they're, if I've liked working with them and they've done a good job and I see that they're doing business too, I want to pick their brain and see what they're doing. Everyone does it differently. Um, like there's one guy that I met with, uh, you know, six, six to eight months ago. And I was like, he was basically like, Hey, you're doing business. And I was like, yeah, you're doing business too. Let's go get lunch. And he basically told me where he gets all of his leads from. He specializes in, um, he's got a few divorce attorneys basically that, that he's made relationships with. And anytime someone's getting a divorce, he, that's, that's his niche. And he does, you know, 10 to 15 million a year doing that. And it's just cool to see that how, how, how many different ways there are to generate those type of leads where you're, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's just cool. It's just cool to network with people and, and see how people are doing it differently. Cause there's so many different ways to make money and help people out in, in real estate sales. So other than yeah. just being a transactional agent, you know, another one of the interviews I recently did talked a lot about like how to build up those kind of strange referral networks, right? Like the guy that has the attorney that has a bunch of the divorce leads, right? Like, Whatever it is, I think as agents, you've got these opportunities to provide uh, essentially referrals and leads to others. Like you can, you find it, you find somebody that is an, an attorney. It's a little tougher to say like, hey, I found a good divorce attorney in case you guys ever need one. But like for a life insurance company or for like a, um, you know, for an, an investing company or for a pool contractor, like those are things that being able to, if you can refer business to your people that buy and sell houses then later that pool contractor is going to refer somebody your business. So the more business you can bring to somebody this is what Wally said in his interview, like he just tries to refer, refer, refer to any kind of business that's out there because then he knows the more he gives other people business, the more he gets reminded of that. Like people for sure are happy to say like, Hey, my friend's a real estate agent. You can go use him. But when, but when there's a real estate agent that's actually helping them build their business, they can much easier say like, yeah, I've got a friend that does this, but this other guy actually gets me a lot of business, uh, helps my pool company. I want him to get more, more, I want him to be successful because he's going to help my, my pool company. So I, I, I love, I love those parts of, of real estate. So do you miss, do you miss the corporate world at all? Being a CPA, doing accounting? Not at all. Not at all. Um, Has it helped no, you prepare for any of this? Oh yeah. It, sorry. You said, did it help me prepare for any of it? Yeah. For, for, yeah. for like real estate, the stuff you do now. Oh yes. Yeah. So that's another thing too, that I could go on all day about, um, you know, Ernst and Young working 80 hours a week, financial planning company. We had a hundred plus clients that, you know, they were emailing, calling, calling us all the time. It, a lot of that transitioned over, um, just being able to be organized. Right. Cause if you're doing a lot of deals, like, you know, if you're doing a deal a month, it's, it's not that, I guess not that stressful or not. It can't, it's not super overwhelming from a paperwork perspective and all that stuff. But when you've got, you know, 13 deals in escrow that, that it's tough to keep up. So, or it can be, if you don't like have systems in place to keep everything organized. So kind of those, those jobs definitely help me springboard and just the organization and, and just that, I don't know, I've always been super efficient and, and get stuff done pretty quickly. And part of that is because I work in those jobs. So it's, 
lot of that's really transitioned over. Another thing too that transitioned over from a financial planning company is well, I was basically helping you know other businesses. How do you structure and being a CPA? How do how do you structure your taxes? Like, what do you do from that perspective? So, um, I have that knowledge that helped me not only build my own business, but when people need to, all right, I've got a new no client that wants that just bought a rental property. Well, what do I do on my taxes? Okay. Well, it goes on schedule E here are the expenses you need to track. Here's the 1099, the interest, the taxes, all that different stuff. So it's just, it's, it's really helped transition and be able to also help add value to clients and from that perspective as well. So, yeah, I mean, when you know a niche and you can add value, it helps out a lot when you get you know, anything extra. Now you've talked to about really just your hard work, right? Coming from a, uh, a job that was very highly hourly intensive, Right, you were used to working hard to make the deal happen, and then in real estate, you were able to figure out if you put in more effort in real estate. If you worked forty hours or eighty hours at Ernst and Young, it didn't necessarily affect your paycheck, but forty hours or eighty hours in real estate did. Mm-hmm. And anytime you're competing against somebody else, like right now, as people are trying to build market share, you know, some of that is just knowing you have to outwork your client. You have to outwork your competition. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, how do you build market share during a time where there's going to be less trans- transactions, where you're going to have to work harder than the other people? or work smarter, but it's really like doing more than they're doing. Yeah. Doing it better than they're doing. So that hard work, uh, you know, comes into play a lot. Yeah. hundred percent. And and I don't remember who the speaker was, but it was, it was a recent, I think it was in the last month. It was one of the, the guests you had on. He was, it was the market. We're just basically talking about the same thing. The market share, like now is the time to double down and work even harder because yeah, you may make a little, you may make less money this year because the transaction flow slowed down a little bit. But when people start transacting again, transacting again, if 25% of the agents are gone, where's that business going? It's going to be going to the people who have been, you know, working their ass off when it, when it's been tougher. So, um, that just put me in a different mindset this year. You know, it's, I guess it's, it's been pretty tough the last few years to get stuff under and I'm probably 80% by. So it's, it's been a grind to get stuff done. And, and especially the first, the, the first six months of 2022, but um, just getting that refocus on the mindset that, you know, you got to work harder than people. There's not, not, you know, there's not enough to go around anymore. I mean, there is, if you work hard, but more people are competing for less volume. So, um, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. As you, it's like outworking as you do that. Yeah. I, I did another interview where a gal was talking about, you know, calculating market share. Like she said, last year I was 3% of the market. This year I want to be 5%. And, and t- we talked about, Whatever your market is, whether it's, hey, you want to do Plano or a certain zip code or houses over $500,000, like go do your calculation of what your market share was last year. How many transactions did you close compared to how many total transactions there were? And this year, as it gets discouraging, you can double check some of those numbers because some of the time you might find out that even though you're doing less transactions, you're at a bigger market share than you were last year, which shows like just keep staying the course, just keep working hard you know, because, because it's working out. The, are you doing any investing right now? Uh, so I didn't buy anything in 2000. Basically, my goal is one a year. I've got four rentals at this point. I went 10. By the time I'm 35, I'm 31 for reference. I almost bought two duplexes last year, but my one of my buddies who's got, uh, again, and just another guy that I knew at Ernst & Young and we've kept in touch. He's one of my mentors as well. He's got 120 plus doors in Dallas at this point. He's 33 and he almost sold me two of them because he, he was just... He, he spent a lot of money rehabbing and you just wanted to get out from under him. He typically doesn't sell stuff, but he ended up holding on to him. So I didn't pick up any this year, but I'm, I'm getting back in the market right now to see if I can pick something up here in the next few months. So, um, cause I'm a huge proponent of just, 
you know, building long-term wealth and, you know, the real estate agents are at such an advantage because you see off-market deals and you see stuff that, you know, all right, this would make sense as a rental property. Let me just buy it from you. If you're, if you're happy, I'm, if you get your number and it makes sense for me, you know, I'll buy it. And the agents out there that aren't investing in stuff, I just don't get it. Like I really don't. So it, it's, it's just such a great way to, to grow your net worth number and, and create financial freedom basically. Yeah. Do you go to any meetups, any masterminds, travel around to learn more about real estate? Yeah, I do. Um, there's one, I don't go to it as often as I like, but it's, it's some guys here in DFW. They, you know, they flip a ton of properties. They've got a bunch of rentals. And again, that's a great, that's a great place for, that's another place where I picked up some leads and, and close some transactions from like you, you're, you're meeting with people who are interested in the same thing as you are. So, you know, you get, you get a newer investor in there and they're like, all right, how do I, I've got 15 grand. How do I go? How do I, how do I go buy a house? How do I make money with this? All right. Let me tell you about house hacking. You just develop that relationship. Um, so I don't, I don't do it as often as I like, cause I'm just, I'm busy, uh, you know, busy transacting stuff. And it's, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes it's hard to go sit through a networking event after I've been, you know, on the phone all day with people. Um, but yeah, I try to get out to those as often as I can. So, yeah. I love it, man. You've had a really awesome real estate journey the last few years. You've got to get in, you know, jumped in with both feet. We're able to build up some, uh, a, pr a pretty good business, like a really good business. I love that when you reached out and we first chatted on Instagram a year ago, maybe longer, right? You were pretty new. You had had some success, but you were also pretty humble. You were like, Hey, I, I hope someday I get to be on the podcast. Like that's one of my goals. But and by but by then you had done a bunch of transactions, right? You had done a bunch of transactions, and I think my my reply back was like, I you know I can't wait to meet you for when you come on and apply and just keep doing good, the because you were pretty early on, but you were able to keep that early momentum and just keep driving it. You know, is there anything you do out there for your goals, like just goals in general? Like, do you do much like because you were like, hey, it's one of my goals to get on there. Do you, do you track goals? You come up with them annually? Do you like as you're looking at like goals for next year? You know, any advice you'd give out there for people? Because it was pretty cool. You're like, hey, I hope I get to do this. And then a year later, you know, 18 months later, here we are. And you're getting to share and give back with like no intention other than saying, hey, you learned a lot when you came on the podcast and you just wanted to come give back. Right. I said, hey, do you want to get anything out of this? You're like, no, I just want to help people. I want to help more agents. I want to help more people like these. So anything you do to make those goals happen? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty simple. Once a year around the end of the year when it's slow, I get out my notepad on my phone. I got 2000, you know, I just got years by year. And if I hit it, I, you know, I write down what I want to accomplish that year from a business perspective, you know, obviously transactions, volume, et cetera, et cetera, but also like external stuff. Like what I wrote down, I wrote down on my notepad. I want to be on this podcast at some point and give back value. Like that was one of my goals. And I think that's, yeah. that's when I message you that just holding myself accountable to it. So I'll get through at the end of the year, like, all right, you know, what did I, what did I accomplish this year? What did I not accomplish? Like this year, my goal was 25 million in sales. And I wanted to buy, um, I think I wanted to buy four more properties. Obviously I didn't buy any. I wanted to flip a house. I flip a house and make money on it. I successfully did that, but there's stuff that I didn't accomplish, but it's just writing it down and holding myself accountable every year. Um, and I like to set those, you know, I don't like to set them. I don't like to set them low. Like I like to challenge myself because that's really how you grow, right? Like I, I want to hit, I want to, you know, I want to keep growing. That's, I don't, I don't know. I don't like, I don't like being stagnant. I like growing and learning new things and, and accomplishing milestones. And that's why it's just simple on my notepad every year. Um, so. Yeah. You want to hit your numbers. Harrison, I love it, man. The, you know, at our, we have our mastermind here in Austin in like, you know, 30 days 
from the time this podcast is going live, maybe less than that. The, but one of our breakouts is going to be a goal, a goal setting session, a goal setting breakout where, you know, if you guys, I love this time of year for goal setting. I love the beginning of the year. That's what I do the most. I do my reflection. I've got my daily checklist. I've got my, my weekly stuff, my annual stuff, but that's going to be one of the breakouts that we're going to do at our mastermind downtown Austin in March. For any of you listeners that haven't signed up yet, there's still time. I would say go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com forward slash mastermind. You'll see some videos from last year. We've got tons of awesome speakers on there. Plus, we do a lot of just interacting. And we might even do some golf the day before it starts or the day after. So the maybe that'll get Harrison to come, come down and join us the uh, as we get to have some fun. Harrison, any final thoughts for our listeners out there? This was great. I really appreciate you coming back to just give back some some value and to inspire and give some people some actionable tips. Any final thoughts you want to leave anybody with and then also tell them how to get a hold of you if they have questions, want to do deals, learn about uh, house hacking? Yeah. I, the final thing that I'd probably say is just the more intentional you are with people, the, I mean, the more you're going to, the more you give back to people and the more you try to create value for them as opposed to yourself, the more successful you're going to be in this business. That's really what it boils down to. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned so far. Obviously I'm still learning and, um, you know, my Instagram is probably going to be where I respond the most sharp cells. DFW is, is my handle. And yeah, feel free. If you have any questions about building a business, getting off the grounds, um, just different ways to generate different lead sources and what works and what doesn't, I'd love to be a resource for anyone out there that's listening. So man, Harrison, this was a lot of fun today. Uh, Real Estate Rockstairs, I hope you reach out to Harrison and chat like I have been on Instagram. Harrison, thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate, really appreciate you having me. Yeah, I fun. really appreciate getting to meet you in person. It's so nice getting to meet you and, uh, and, and love what you're doing out there. Real Estate Rockstars, thanks for listening. All right, Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully, you guys loved listening to that one, and I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have, and also, we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free, but what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients, and we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate how to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. 
Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.